Giannis. Time winding down. Antetokounmpo on the fade. It's good at the buzzer. The Milwaukee Bucks stun the Knicks on the last second game winner by Giannis Antetokounmpo. What's going on, everybody? Your boy Jacoob's here, episode 42 of the Box Leading Radio. On the line, Derek Stark is back for another episode. Derek, how are you doing tonight? Hey, I was doing much better before the Bucks lost, but I'm still doing pretty damn good. Thanks for having me on, man. Glad to have you. Always great talking with you. Uh, as you said, we're recording this bit of a late night on Monday after the Bucks lost to the Charlotte Hornets in Charlotte. Uh, not a great one, and I guess, you know... It was very real fresh. Why don't we dive right into that one? Um, it's been a while since uh, Buck City Radio episode has been out, so we have a lot of games to cover. And uh, try to keep this a little bit short and sweet for you listeners out there. Don't want to throw too much in your ears. Uh, so let's dive right into this here. Hornets game came down to the wire after the Hornets got up by 25, I believe, was their highest lead. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, the Bucks couldn't pull it out. But give me, give me your fresh thoughts out of that, and uh, and you know what you saw in that game that you liked, which you didn't like, and how that'll affect us going forward. Yeah, I think we came out really hot, and we hit I think probably four or five threes right out of the gates, and we were looking solid. Bledsoe had a few threes. Everybody made a three in the first uh, six minutes of the game, uh, outside of maybe Giannis. And then we really, uh, it seemed like there was a cover on the basket. And the Hornets kind of started to make their move, and they had a lot of momentum. They had a 13-point lead at half, and outscored us by 16 in the second quarter. And then, like you said, they had a 25-point lead at one point in the third quarter. But we just started chipping away. And, you know, I saw a lot of people on Twitter kind of writing it off, saying there's no way we win this game. And I was kind of firing back at them, like, like, do not discount this team. Do not count them out before the fourth quarter begins or with 10 minutes left in this game. We've scored 40 points in the fourth quarter six times already this year, and I believe that happened maybe three times in the entire stint with Jason Kidd. So um, the way that they fought back and they kind of stayed together despite the fact that we were getting crushed on the road, I think that's just a really emblematic of – Budenholzer and the way that he's kind of coaching up this team and the resilience that you see. You know, Middleton went 4 of 18. He shot 3 of 12 from downtown, and we still only lost by 3. So I think it's still uh, – I have positive takeaways, no doubt. Yeah, I think there there has been sort of every loss this season for us. And, uh, you know, one of the big things that stuck out to me during this game was when it was reported, you know, after a timeout – Budenholzer yells at uh, Giannis because he's like, you sat there and watched, uh, I don't even know who it was, um, basically take an open three-pointer. And, uh, you know, kind of hearing that, it makes you feel a little better that he's kind of landed into everybody and not not letting anybody kind of get uh, a free pass, if you will. Uh, so, you know, that, that shows his coaching style. But it also shows the players respect him enough to understand where that's coming from. And it's not more of a yelling, but as like a constructive thing. Like, come on, guys, you know, kind of riling them up instead of trying to put them down. Uh, and coming out of that timeout, they made a great play and everything else. And and I think you're right, but my only asterisk to this, every loss that we've had in the old saying of, we'll get into it here once we talk about a different game, you know, 
you just said, Middleton goes three for 12 from the three-pointer, and we still only lose by three. When is there, or is there a time that you kind of look at that, you look at a guy like that who's having a night like that, and you say, stop shooting if you're Budenholzer, or take him out of the game and, and maybe play somebody else more who's maybe more hot that evening. Uh, you know, Because like those threes decide those games, especially when you only lose by three like you did tonight. Yeah, I do think it's dangerous if you're going to start playing that game, though, if you're going to start telling your, your go-to shooter to kind of chill, if you're going to give him the yellow light rather than the green light. That can really mess with his confidence. And uh, at the same time, we're going to have plenty of games this year where Middleton hits one of those shots and sends us to overtime, and we end up winning the game. I mean, we saw it against the Celtics in the playoffs last year. Middleton's got the capability to hit big-time shots in big-time games, so... I, I know what you're saying, and I do wish that he would have uh, maybe reined it in just a little bit tonight um, because you, you hate to see one guy miss nine threes. Um, but at the same time, Brogdon was one of six. Lopez was one of four. Giannis was one of three, and I still cringe every time he, he shoots one from downtown. So it's not like people were really hitting. Uh, I think Bledsoe has probably been shooting better than anybody else as of late. He seems to be kind of on his game. And then you mentioned Dante's back, and he hit a couple threes off the bench, which was great to see. So, if anything, maybe you'd like to see Dante get a little more run and a couple more shots up, but I know he's coming back from injury. Yeah, coming back after uh, missing five games. Looked good out there. He looked energetic. He looked bouncy, I think is a good word. After um, I think it was a hamstring injury. So, you know, kind of seeing him getting the confidence out there, taking those shots, making those plays is really good to see, no matter what, win or loss. But I think you're right, you know, I asked the question because I think it, it, it's warranted to be asked, but also when you look at it, it's, it's like you can't do anything. Some guys will just have an off night. Uh, you know, we'll get into this game here in just a minute, but Brooke Lopez goes 0 from 12 against the Phoenix Suns, and we give them their, at the time, like fourth win of the season. Um, so, you know, you look at games like that, they're going to happen. But we're still only losing by two. You know, there's other facets of the game that can probably be tightened up that could get us that win outside of Brooke Lopez making one of those three-pointers. So, you know, for everybody out there who, who hates seeing this three-point offense, and I see people tweeting about it, like, stop taking threes, what are you doing? I mean, you're going to live and you're going to die by it. And there's going to be games this season, like we've already seen, where people aren't going to hit it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that wasn't the problem tonight at all. Uh, not that... I was trying to make it out to be. I think it was sloppy play on both ends of the floor. Offensively, you were right. There was just a lid on the basket. Not only that, but they also played great defense on Giannis. And if you can bottle him up, you've got to make other guys show up. And, and, you know, while we did in the first quarter, nobody was kind of really stepping up after that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. And this was our first road game, too, since we were out west uh, a couple weeks ago. We had a ton of home games. I want to say we had six straight at home. And it's obviously not as easy to play on the road. We didn't have our our fan base there supporting us. And, um, yeah, it's just just one of those nights. And what I really hope is that we can bounce back. We can get back to Milwaukee Wednesday night, get a big win over the Bulls. Because, obviously, you hate to lose to Chicago, especially with them having Jabari. But we haven't lost back-to-back games all season. And I think that's something to be proud of because – a lot of times teams can kind of fall into funks and they say basketball is a game of runs. Well, it's also a game of kind of streaks when it comes to wins and losses. And I think it's been encouraging the fact that we came out of the gates one seven in a row. 
we had another three-game streak in there, and we've always bounced back from losses with wins. So looking forward, I hope that we can keep that that going. I mean, we got the Bulls, the Knicks, uh, Detroit, and then we got a Golden State on ESPN after that. So definitely some winnable games coming up, and then a, a big one at the Forum December 7th. Yeah, that'll be a big game for sure. Uh, so taking uh, you know, a look back after you kind of looked into the future a little bit, Let's take a look at this Suns game because this was a game. I think that I and I said this in an earlier podcast this season. And like I was looking for the trap game. You know, where was the game when we were going to come out against a bad team and take the loss? You know, I I honestly kind of felt like that was the Grizzlies game. But now, kind of thinking about it and looking at it, like no, it was the Suns game because they are just not a good team, and we just got outplayed. So I mean. Uh, We don't have to go too in-depth in it. Obviously, it was a loss. I've already mentioned Lopez going 0-for-12 from three-pointer. But uh, give me your thoughts on this game. Uh, Ended 116-114. Sun's up. Yeah, I do think it's a case of, like, you're looking at the worst team in the NBA record-wise, or at least one of them, and you see the Spurs coming to town the next night, and Coach Bud's got, you know, the Popovich connection. So it's very likely that we kind of overlooked the Suns and didn't take them as seriously as we should have. And then when you have uh, when you've got Brooke Lopez having possibly the worst shooting performance of his career, that that doesn't help much. But um, you know you don't want to you don't want to look into one game too much. Same thing as tonight. And you mentioned the Grizzlies. I thought the same thing when I saw the the L to the Grizzlies. But the Grizzlies are actually a really tough team this year. They're always a very good defensive team, and they're the fourth team in the West. So and, and the Nuggets are the third. Um, you know, and these are teams that. We we've played recently. We also played the Warriors, who are second, and we played the Clippers, who are first. So we've been we've had a pretty tough schedule in the past few weeks, um, and we've won a lot of the games. So the fact that we're we're still number two in the East has me really encouraged, especially with the upcoming schedule. No, I think those are all great points, and I think you're right. Maybe we, you know you, you don't want to look at a loss and think too much of it. Uh, we were kind of saying this before the podcast started here that. You know, the NBA isn't the NFL where one or two losses is really going to make or break your season. You know, it is November. There's a lot of M- there's a lot of NBA basketball left to be played before we even get to talking about playoffs, much less finals and uh, everything else. So, you know, looking at everything, it's all very promising. You know, look back at this schedule. I mean, we've all been in tight losses. I think by three was the usual. So we lost by four to Boston. And then the biggest one was 15 to Portland, which, you know, we'll get into the second Portland game here in a minute. But, you know, those are all good signs that we're not getting ran out of the building in a lot of game in any game, really, with the exception of that Portland game. And that was off of a hot hand in C.J. McCollum. So I think you look at these games and you go back and you when you look at the season, I'm very curious to see how the rest of it pans out. But as it stands right now, you're looking at a, a great NBA team that could beat almost anybody at any, at any day. So... The thing that sucks, I think, most about the Suns, though, and the Grizzlies, um, well, yeah, the Suns was at home, right? Because Grizzlies was as well. No. Right. Yeah. So, those were that was a little tough, but, I mean... Uh, question for you. Yeah. In thinking about all of this, I'm, I'm really starting to think about kind of the performance of people outside of Giannis, because let's be honest, Giannis is the MVP, I would say, right now. He's just been superb averaging over 13 rebounds a game, leading the team in steals. Uh, points are out there every night. Do, do you think, has Middleton been a disappointment so far this season? Hmm. Good question. But uh, 
disappointing? No. I think that he's had some some bad games and some some cold ones where you know he's just not hot from the floor. But I think he's kind of doing what you want. You, you got a team really trying to figure out its new identity. He can get hot from three. He's very clutch. He's very clutch in certain situations. You know, we basically win that Suns game if he doesn't double clutch that three pointer that went in just a second after the buzzer. Uh, so I think that you look at him and you think, you know, he could be shooting better and he could definitely necessarily be playing overall better, but I don't think it's necessarily disappointing, disappointment. Uh, and that's evidenced by the fact that there's already five teams that are reported to be targeting Chris Middleton in free agency. And as we've already said, it's only November. So I think that that shows right there that him becoming a free agent is already kind of making everybody look up and say, what can we do to get this guy? What do you think, though? Yeah, that's fair. I, I, I don't think he's quite taken that step forward that I was hoping that he would after the Celtics series. Uh, and maybe he still will throughout the season, but he seems to kind of be um, where he was last year. So maybe he's plateaued, and that's okay because he's still a really, really good player and obviously somebody that we want. But I, I have to say that, I'm pretty sure Giannis is shooting 11% from downtown this season, and he shoots two and a half threes a game. Is, can, can we just tell him to not? Like that—that That is actually a huge factor to this team's success. If you have a guy shooting between two and three threes a game, and he makes one out of ten. You know, I know it's Greek freak, and it's kind of hard to tell him to, to not take a shot, but damn. What did we just say, Derek? You can't say that to a guy. You're going to ruin his confidence. You have to have him take those shots in games. Because he's not you... a shooter. Oh, not yet. <laughs> and Is he if someone this season, no, probably not. And that's what Budenholzer told him. He said, "Let it fly. Shoot, shoot it. If it doesn't go in this season, it'll go in next season. If it doesn't go in today, it'll go in tomorrow." You need to have that confidence to be able to go out there and take those shots before you can even think about it really going in. Because if you don't mentally have the ability to make that shot, then you physically can't make that shot. So it's all a process, and I hate using that word because of the Sixers ruining it. But <laughs> yes, it's, it is what it is. And I, I agree it's not the greatest, but he was one for three tonight from the three-pointer, and that's improvement. If we can make have him make one out of two, one out of three in a game, slowly it'll work into becoming, you know, not a high-volume three-point shooter. I don't think he ever will be. But if you can kind of get him consistently making those, that's that's big to stretch that floor. Yeah, that's a 300% improvement from what he's been. So I, I don't know. That's just, just my take on it. It's kind of been frustrating, but we'll, we'll let it slide. Um, well, here, thing, let me I jump in. To... You don't want him to be Ben Simmons. No, no, no. That's true. Yeah, that you can't really have that. He's got to have a respectable jumper which I think he does in the mid-range. I think they got to respect that, which allows him to, to drive and, and do what he does so well. But seeing 11% from downtown, I mean, that's got to be the worst percentage in the NBA for somebody who's taken as many shots as he has. Probably true. But what yeah. was your other question? I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, it's all good, man. That's what happens. Um, so I've, I think you've probably seen this too, but there's been a decent amount of uh, chatter about Bradley Beal Mm. and the Bucks potentially being suitors on Bradley Beal. And I want to, A, know what your thoughts are on that, and B, ask if you would straight up flip like K-Mid and then maybe another piece for Beal, like if you if you think that would actually make this team better. Oh, that's a tough one. I don't know. I, I, 
So I've been looking at it, and I think, like, if you can give up, like, like I would give up Brogdon and, like, Thon and a pick and take Beal. Because, you, I mean, it, you'd have to obviously contractually make it work, so you'd probably have to throw, like, Deli or Henson in there to make that work, really. But, you know, I, I don't know how I feel about giving up Chris Middleton for him just because Bradley Beal is a true shooting guard and you can run Chris at the three and still be fine. So that you can kind of work that rotation still go and still get Giannis, Chris, Beal, Bledsoe, Lopez on the court, which sounds like an amazing starting lineup because Bradley Beal is a true star. I think like when you look at him, you know, stats-wise, he's proved it. He's clutch. He's a clutch player. Uh, he, he has been, I would say, a little bit overshadowed by John Wall, but, you know, he's a true um, kind of second fiddle that you want on a team like that. Uh, with Giannis, but it, it, the question is always going to be, what do you give up? And I don't, I don't know if I'm okay giving up Chris Middleton, who has kind of been the proven guy on this team from a recruitment aspect, from a kind of city guy. He met with Budenholzer before he was hired. You know, the team is acting like he's here for the long haul. So I don't know. I don't know if it could even could even happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a totally fair take. Uh, you know what's crazy is Beal's like double the salary of Middleton. Middleton's thirteen million and Beal's twenty five and a half. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even know if he's a better player, to be quite frank. Um, you know, he's he's the second best player on a team that's seven and eleven, seven and twelve, and Middleton's the second best player on a team that's fourteen and six. So I, I kind of would like to just bunk that whole rumor and not acquire a guy who's twenty five and a half million dollars. Um, but that that's just kind of where I'm at with it all. That's fair. I, and I think that I, I sometimes fall into that category too every time there's talks of a free agent trade or, or a free agent pickup or a trade being made because it's a lot of what I think a lot of basketball is, and this is a guy who's never really played a lot of or any basketball really. Um, you know, you look at it as like a, a team chemistry kind of thing, and you really want to, don't want to break that up. That's why I didn't want Jimmy Butler on the team mostly. It was just because of his attitude and his seemingly cancerous personality within locker rooms. And obviously, that's all hearsay. I don't know for sure. But, you know, a guy like that can really ruin a team and take all of this hope that we have and and really good progress that we've had and just take it all down. So I, Bradley Beal may not be that guy, and I don't think he is. But you're right. I mean, you could give up a guy like Chris Middleton who's played with Giannis I think since he was drafted, right? So pretty much, pretty much, and you know, you look at a guy like that, and they've had so much time playing together. And now Brogdon's got a year under his belt. Bledsoe's had now close to a full season under his belt, um, or Bledsoe does. So those are certain things that I think about when I, people talk about being traded. But if you were like, "Yeah, we're going to trade Deli, Thon, and Henson, and a second rounder for Bradley Beal," hey, sounds good. You know, I'm good all with that. Get rid of those shitty contracts. And get us Bradley Beal. But, I mean, there's no way Washington takes that trade unless they're really full, fully blowing up their team. Yeah, and they're, and they're not going to do that. Granted, they do have, like, a top 10 payroll in all professional sports. It's crazy how much they spend, probably because John Wall's contract is outrageous. And yeah. Ian Mahimini guy. But that, I don't think that would be right to bring Beal in and then have Beal making more than Giannis for the next three years. You'd have to give Giannis some sort of, like, extension or boost it because that that's just – that's not gonna fly. No. Plus, I don't like I don't I don't like John Wall as much as like I don't I wouldn't want to give up anything up for John Wall. I think Bradley Beal has more upside to him, 
one from a contract perspective, um, from being more of a second fiddle. You don't want two stars on a team. You know, Jabari wasn't even a star, and he couldn't play with Giannis. So that's just kind of interesting to me. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. Yeah, I just wanted to pick your brain on that because I saw a little bit about that on Twitter tonight too. And, I mean, it's always fun to kind of play around with those ideas. But I I honestly don't know if this team makes a move this year unless it's like kind of a a low-key move for a guy who can come off the bench. Yeah, I think that's and that's what you're seeing is really paying off though in the from this off seasons um, is Horst's kind of bench moves essentially Pat Connaughton who we were talking about heavily um, before the podcast started. I mean, look at that putback dunk that he had, highest vertical in his combine year. Like that guy's an animal. Drafted by the Orioles, like you know, great pickup, um, solid three point shooter, making a great uh, addition off the bench. Brooke Lopez. Easily the best signing this offseason, uh, making an impact immediately, starting immediately. You know, these are all things that were low-cost, high-value moves. And, you know, I don't think it's going to be a big blockbuster move that you're going to see this season because there's no reason to make one, you know? Yeah, you're right, man. Um, man, I, I don't think we can say enough about Horse and what he's done and, and getting the right coach and Boonozer and then getting Brooke, who... We, we are a substantially better team when Brooke Lopez is on the court. I don't care what his plus minus is. It's just the way that he kind of alters things at the rim, and uh, he's, he's lethal from downtown. And, um, and then Pat. I think Pat's a guy who we could start to see cut into the Prez's playing time because I, as much as I love Malcolm Brogdon, I almost think that Pat and Giannis, their styles work better together um, in a lot of ways than Brogdon might so i think pat's going to start getting an uptick in pt and i think that's a good thing because not only can that guy slash he can also shoot yeah well let, let me let me jump in here quick because uh, this question popped into my head here i've been seeing a lot of brogdon hate which i've seen some people uh call it just something to hate really people are looking for something to hate because this team is so good brogdon hasn't been playing great this season uh whether it's a step back since his you know, freshman year here. He, I don't know. Um, but what do you think? Do you think he fits in the system? Do you think he finds a place? Or do you think we lower his minutes, just like you were talking about? Give Pat, you know, the kind of nod to start now. Uh, you've been a Brogdon guy since day one, so tell me about it, man. I think people need to relax. Uh, Brogdon is my favorite player, no doubt about it. I'm all about him. The guy's shooting 45, almost 46% from downtown. He's a 97% free throw shooter. He's he's so reliable. But what I'm saying is that, you know, I don't know how many minutes he's playing a game. Maybe it's 30 minutes. So maybe now we're only going to see him out there for 25 minutes a game and, and we'll see Pat bump up from 15 to 20 or something like that. I just think that Pat brings a, a dimension, an element, that not a lot of guys do from his uh, athletic standpoint, his way that he can kind of get up and um, kind of sky for rebounds. and Or maybe maybe it ends up being uh, a completely different rotation where you see Pat out there with Giannis and um, somebody like Urson. I, I don't know exactly how they're going to put it together, but I just think that he's a really special player and it's such a sneaky signing for only a million, million and a half a year. Uh, also, it really hurt not having Ursan tonight. I think if we have Ursan, we win that game. 
That's a fair point. Uh, Ersan is Ersan's interesting, impactful, not even on the stat sheet and everywhere on the court and everything that he does. Um, but let, let's stay on this Brogdon because I pulled up his stats here, and this is a little devil's advocate for you. So okay. he, he's forty five percent three rounded up forty six percent three point percentage average of the season, but he's only attempting three and a half a game, so not great there. Ninety seven percent from free, free throws, but he's only attempting one point seven per game. So he's not getting to the line, and when he's got the ball in the three-point line, he's not taking it because he's the new. He is the driving supposed to pass guy now, but he's not passing it like he's supposed to. He's averaging three point two assists per game, and in this offense, you should be averaging more. He was averaging more assists last year in his career uh, at three point seven per game. But so, he does protect the ball really well, you know. Sometimes he's been getting. I mean, he's got one and a half turnovers a game. Compare that to guys like Giannis. I think Giannis might be leading the NBA. Uh, Bledsoe's got over two. Middleton's got over two. Of the four, he protects the ball better than anybody else. I just don't. Are people? Do people want Brogdon to be more dynamic? Because that's not who he is. He's more of an IQ kind of guy out there. He's not like Pat. Like it's one of those rare situations where the white guy's more athletic. Hey, I didn't say it. That's uh, at Dr. Stark on Twitter. <laughs> that's where you can find him. Um, nope. Uh, uh, I mean, that's fair. I think I, I, I don't necessarily know what I think about it. I think we still have too small of a sample size. People, I think, are being a little bit jaded on how quickly this offense has taken hold in this, uh, in this team. So I think there's still learning curves that are going to happen. That's why I think you've seen some losses that we've had. Uh, some games have been close games because we've reverted back to the old kid era. Uh, so I think like Brogdon will find his way. I don't think he's necessarily um, should be gone from the team or should not start. I was kind of I, just playing into Derek's love for Malcolm Brogdon a little bit, but also also opening the conversation because I think it, it's one that's been warranted to have. Uh, but let's you know let's talk about the best win of the season, I think, which is against Portland and beating them by 43 points, number one team in the West, uh, and beating the Nuggets again at home. You know, those are two big games against two kind of quote-unquote powerhouses in the West right now. What does that say when you look at this team, a, a team that can go and run a team like the Trailblazers out of the building, but then lose to Charlotte, who, you know, no fault to them, is a good uh, underrated team, but not as good as the, those, I would say and lose by three? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a really fair question. Um, I think a big part of the win over Portland, I mean, we played fantastic. We scored 143 points in regulation, um, but the Blazers also did not play very well. They shot 22% from downtown. Uh, they had guys like Aminu going 0 for 9. Dame Dalla was 1 for 6 from downtown. So they didn't shoot well, and a lot of that is because of our defense. Um, but, you know, you look at the, the stat lines, and it's like, regardless of whether we win or lose, Giannis is always putting up about 30 points, around 15 rebounds, and then his assists are nearing a triple-double. And it's just like, this guy is doing so much for us that I just hope that Middleton can really start to get his stroke down consistently, uh, especially late in games. And, I mean, he, he's been really good, but I just – I just really it terrifies me that the Bucks are going to turn into the Packers and that we're not going to capitalize on having one of the best talents in the generation um, because that's what's happened in Green Bay. So I just want this team to to do whatever it takes to 
to make the most of having Giannis in Milwaukee, and he's happy in Milwaukee. That's the most important thing. Let's keep him happy in Milwaukee. Okay. That was a rant. Sorry. I know you got uh, the Packers lost last night. I know. I'm not. <laughs> it's been a hard day. <laughs> it's it's been a hard day for Derek. <laughs> Uh, I am a Packers fan, don't get me wrong, uh, but I've kind of accepted their fate this season. Derek obviously has not. They're going to win five in a row. And then what, lose in the wild card game in the playoffs? No, they're going to knock the Bears off in the divisional round and then play the Saints in the uh, NFC Championship. Okay. I want whatever you're smoking in Kansas, because I think it's better shit than we have here in Milwaukee. It's nothing. It's nothing. That's the sad thing. But whatever. Anyway, off of the Packers talk, uh, it's a fair point to say that you don't want to waste Giannis's talent. Still only 23, though, and now I think we're making those moves into the right direction. And we're kind of springboarding his talent and really and really building off of it. So I think that's good. But let's take a let's take a step back from the entire NBA here and look at the standings. Because I think, you know, we're, we're a month, month and a half into the season here we can kind of take a look and kind of see how things are going to start trending towards um, as we move through the middle of the season, kind of get there. Uh, let's start in the West because I think that's kind of where a lot of the surprises are. Um, you know, this is on ESPN 9.30 on the 26th of November. Uh, so we're not updated for the games yet, playing today. But number one, number two, number three. Los Angeles Clippers, number one. Golden State Warriors, number two. Denver Nuggets, number three. I didn't expect that at all. Tobias Harris named Western Conference Player of the Week, or the, yeah, whatever the month. I don't week. I think it is. So, give me your thoughts on that. I mean, is this is this is obviously not what you saw coming into this? I don't think so. What do you think? Is it just is it a fluke? Is it all going to turn around through the rest of the season? What? Well, I do have Tobias Harris on my fantasy team, so I did see his uh, spectacular season coming in, in some regard, but not to this extent. Um, the Clippers might be the deepest team in the NBA from, from what I've read. You know, I, I've only seen them play once when the Bucks lost to them in overtime, and I really felt as if we should have won that game. But, you know, they've got, I think, Lou Williams as their sixth man, and that guy is just always hitting daggers. I, I love that guy. I wish the Bucks had somebody like that. But, um, yeah, what a, what a surprise to see the Nuggets, Clippers, and Grizzlies as three of the top four in the West. And, you know, the Warriors are only 14-7. and seven. Granted, Steph's been out, but it is it is kind of a strange time because we, we saw LeBron go to the West, and everybody assumed that that kind of stacked things out there and that the West was going to be so dominant. But the more you think about it and look at it, it almost seems as if, um, especially in the top part of the East, that it's just as, if not more, potent. So I think... There's a lot to be said for the young talent in the East, 76ers, Boston, the Raptors, and obviously the Bucks. I think they can contend with anybody out West outside of the Warriors with Steph. And then I do think the Rockets will end up climbing back into that, and you'll see them up towards the top by the end of the year. But teams like the Pelicans, too, with Anthony Davis and Julius Randle off the bench. they got Drew Holiday. They've got a ton of talent. Um, and then, you know, LeBron and the Lakers, they're – once they get that chemistry going, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. So there's a lot of teams out, out west that when you look at the fact that the Spurs are the third worst, but you, you don't think of the Spurs as, as a as a 13 seed. Um, not that that's even a seed, but it, there's a lot of parity in the NBA. I think that's kind of what I'm getting at. The Jazz are the 14th 14, 14 seed out west. 
they might have the best defensive player in the NBA. So the East is top heavy. The West is talented throughout the entire conference. That's that's kind of my big takeaway at this point in the season. Yeah, I think that's that's a solid overview of it. I mean, I think biggest surprise for me is the Grizzlies. Really, I didn't. I just never really saw them being in the even in the middle of the pack in the West. Uh, I mean, they're talented, but I think you're just seeing guys playing well, but being coached well. But it's also pretty tight. I mean, them and OKC are both twelve and seven in the middle of the in the uh, middle of you know the pack there in the Western Conference, but. Yeah, I mean, I think I totally agree with you in that the Eastern Conference, I think there's more really good teams and then, like, a lot more shitty teams, you know, with, like, the Hawks, Cavs, Bulls. And, I mean, you can throw the Knicks and the Heat and the Wizards in there. So, you know, I think that's really the the way that it kind of all shook out. But, you know, I'm kind of surprised at how well Kawhi's playing out in Toronto just because of the issues he had with you know, in San Antonio and everything else. I mean, kudos to him, and I'm glad he's playing well, but I'm interested to see how that plays out the rest of the season. But Jimmy Butler and the Philadelphia 76ers, though, seems to be a good match so far, even though they're going to get rid of Markel Fultz now because he can't handle it and doesn't know how to shoot a free throw. Yeah, dude, he's kind of got the yips right now, which is sad because, you know, he's the number one pick overall, and you hate to see that for anybody, but... Uh, yeah, Jimmy Butler seems to be fitting in quite nicely in Philadelphia. He's hit a couple game winners, I believe, already. So that's not a team that you want the Bucks to face necessarily. But I'm, I'm just waiting for uh, for a couple a couple things to happen in Philadelphia and a little turmoil to start brewing because we all know how it goes. We know the narrative with Jimmy Butler. There's going to be drama. There's going to be tension. And the team is going to fall apart. So I'm just going to wait until that happens later this season. The team that really scares me is Boston. Not only do they have just as much talent as the Bucks, but they have just as good of a coach. And if they have home court advantage, which they typically do in the playoffs, it's going to be tough. Yeah, they're sitting at seven seed right now at ten and ten. Uh, but I, there's there's no way you can think that they're going to stay there with Brad Stevens, Kyrie. You know, Kyrie, I think, is just really learning how to play with Gordon. And Gordon's getting his feet back, literally. And, you know, kind of, they're... they're... Nice. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think that's te- that team is just learning how to play with each other, kind of coming out of that great season last year, and really not necessarily trying to do it again, but just trying to figure out who they are now, which they will, obviously, throughout the rest of the season. But, yeah, I'm, I think this is poised to be a great NBA season. Uh, here we're kind of seeing some tides shift. It's not necessarily guaranteed Warriors, I don't think, anymore. And, you know, Cavs aren't in it anymore. LeBron's struggling to make free throws in L.A. now. So it's a fun time to be a fan of the NBA and uh, kind of take a look at this stuff every once in a while and really think about how this is going to end. Uh, but anything else you want to jump on here during this podcast, Eric? think so man i like you said i'm really excited about it too the only thing is is it is november 26 so i don't think there's any reason to get too high or too low about anything in particular we just gotta enjoy the season it 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 lasts so long there's so much left and i think we we all kind of know what the potential is for the buck so let's not let one l get us too down and 
and let's pray to God that Giannis stays healthy because that is our that's our guy. We need it. Yep, definitely. And uh, looking ahead, as you kind of did earlier in this episode, Wednesday we got the Bulls, which will be at home. So that'll be a hopefully a big win against Jabari. Uh, and then we got Saturday in New York, 1st of December, back home against Detroit. And then as you alluded to, back home at against Golden State, which will be a fun game. Tickets are expensive as F for that game. So if you're going, have fun, enjoy it, hopefully bring us a win. Um, but then, you know, two days later, we go to Toronto. So that'll be a big one. I'm hoping to see Giannis versus Kawhi in that one. I want to see how the top two teams in the East right now match up uh, at full strength. So that'll be fun uh, and to watch. And then you kind of got a nice little break, I would say, with Cleveland, Indiana, Cleveland, Detroit. So it'll be uh, it'll be fun to watch this upcoming schedule and this Bucks team every night that we get to. And uh, that's all I got for you. Appreciate you listening. Appreciate you coming on, Derek. It's always fun to talk to you. Sure is, my man. And uh, for those of you out there, uh, I didn't talk to you last week, so happy Thanksgiving. Hope you enjoyed one with your family. Uh, Had a good meal. Uh, If you're not in the U.S., well, I hope you had a good work week then because we didn't. So, (laughs) (laughs) otherwise. Shit, we didn't do a damn thing. Nope, I was lazy as fuck. Uh, But you can find me on Twitter at Jakubitz. J-A-K-U-B-I-C-Z. Find the podcast at Bucks underscore radio. You can find Derek at Dr. Stark. Uh, you can check out his podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, at uh, the Get Starked podcast. I believe it's at Get Starked on Twitter, correct? Yeah, Get Stark Pod. Check Boom. it out. Check it out. It's good listens. Goes through everything you can ever imagine. Uh, and Derek brings his optimism into your ears uh, every week, every couple weeks. So give that a follow. Uh, We appreciate all of you out there. Thank you for listening.